Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. He's expanding us inside and out. He's expanding us in our spiritual capacity to receive. He's expanding us in our reach. Hallelujah. Expanding us in our uh, 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 ability here as a local church family. And He's expanding us in our families as well. Expanding us in His Word. Uh, When I had the privilege of being with you week before last, I want to catch everybody up on where we were because we're going to pick back up from there. We talked about being word governed and how important it is for us to become skilled in the system that God established for us to be skilled in. In the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, God established three systems that are still operative in the earth today. And in Christ, we are returned to an effectiveness in these systems, a greater effectiveness than those who are operating in the earth today outside of Christ, without the relationship with Christ. The three systems that I'm referring to, first of all, we see the word system in The book of Genesis, the very first thing we see, God created the world with His words. It says, God said, let there be light. And from that point, He goes on and uses His words to establish and to uh, put in order things the way He desires for them to be. The second system that we see in the book of Genesis is the authority system. He said in Genesis 1, 28, Behold, I give unto man dominion. Uh, he, he spoke the blessing, and in the blessing he said, I give you dominion, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Have dominion. Take authority. The third thing that we see, we've got the word system, we've got the authority system, and then he speaks about the seed system. In the very next words in Genesis chapter 1, after he pronounces that first part of the blessing, he continues in the blessing by discussing, Behold, I give unto you every herb bearing seed. I believe that's verse 29 or 30. He says, I give you every herb bearing seed. And so in... Genesis 2, did I say 1? Is it 1, 28 and 29? Let's look at it because y'all, y'all are taking notes and I want you to have your notes right. Hallelujah. 1, 28 is the blessing and the authority. Verse 29 is the seed, which is still a part of the pronunciation of the blessing. It's still part of the blessing. In this, we see that the, the world is designed by words and designed to operate by words. All three of these systems work together. It is, they, they work so closely together, it's difficult to separate them and say, well, this is the authority system and it works separate because it doesn't. I have the authority of words and I have the authority of seed. There is no, there is no animal on the planet who has a garden. 
and, and, and a monkey staking out their garden and saying, you can't come eat my bananas, this is my banana patch. Right? No. No animals have the authority to sow seed. Only humans have been given the authority of the seed. Uh, animals can eat seed and they eat the fruit of the seed, but we've been granted the authority of the seed. We have the authority of words. We have the, you cannot choose whether or not you live by words, but you can choose which words you live by. Amen. Amen. You can choose to live by the word of God and let it have the authority over your life. So, but you have the authority to choose. You have the authority to choose. You can reject the word and not walk in the light of it and refuse to act on it, refuse to believe it, and not receive any benefits of it. Amen? So the word system is at work. The seed system is at work. The authority system is at work. But we zoned in specifically, and we were looking at the word system from the aspect of how God, in the original design of the earth, which is God's perfect will, what he wanted to be. And so he began speaking the word of God. The very first mention and the law of first mention sets the precedent for how that subject is to be understood throughout scripture. The law of first mention then would show us that the very first use of words was to create. God created with words. Before he ever communicated, he used words to create. So using words to create the will of God, it should be the most important thing in our life as well. We are to be imitators of God. Imitators of God as dear children. So being those who create God's will in our life by words. We saw that the second thing that God did with his words was he, he set things in a specific direction. He, he called the light day and he called the dark, he called the night night. He called, he set things and he, he used his words to say, this is how the far the firmament will be. This is how the tide of the moon will work. He, he authorized and set into, um, he established it by his words. That's what the scripture that this ministry is based on. Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed, framed, established, put in order. There is a framework in this building. If you were to remove the, the outer side you, or remove the drywall, you could see underneath, behind that drywall, is a framework. God used words to frame. Amen. He used words to establish. Words are a structure of how things should go. And he used words that way and then gave us the ability of words, the authority of words, the word system so that we could establish how things would go in our life. Now, I can't necessarily do that for everybody, but I can do that in my house. I can do that in my life. I have a, an authority in prayer to direct things or to uh, open God's help into my nation, into my city, into my community, and into, into my house. I can establish the will of God. That's what we're talking about. Not just speaking words to establish your own will, which you can, 
But we're talking about taking God's word and establishing it as the parameters in my life. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. That needs to be in your heart and in your mouth. In your mouth and in your heart. In your heart and in your mouth. In your mouth and in your heart. Why? Because you're establishing that no evil shall befall you and no plague shall come near your dwelling, right? You're establishing that nothing shall by any means hurt me. How do I establish it? I am, I am taking God's word and I am creating parameters. And so this, that was the second thing that God did. Uh, he uh, established how things would go. He put things in order. Amen. And then he blessed. Even before he communicated, he blessed. His words were words of blessing. The first words man heard were words of blessing. The blessing. And God blessed them and said unto them. So he used words to impart the blessing. And then communication and instruction came after that. When he instructed them not to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So this needs to have a level of importance in the way we use words. That we use God's word to create the will of God in our life. We use God's word to set parameters for what we will allow and what we will not allow in our life. We will allow the blessing and not the curse. We will allow health and not sickness. No disease has any right to trespass on, on my body. Why? Because I am bought with the blood of Jesus. Well, I'm enforcing what his victory has already accomplished for me. But I'm doing it with the verbal authorization. And then we uh, began to look at how the word of God sustains. It says in Hebrews chapter 1 that he upholds and sustains. And um, one of the translations of Hebrews 1, I believe it's verse 3, uses the word propel. He upholds, he sustains, he propels things by the word of his power the word of his power Hebrews 1 3 uphold and I'm in the middle of the verse upholding all things and the word upholding in the Weiss translation is sustaining guiding and propelling the amplified uses propelling too sustaining guiding and propelling so if you want to sustain your marriage put the word on it if you want to sustain your finances, put the word on it. Build it. Let it be word built. Let it be word governed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, today, we're going to go in a similar vein, but we're going to look at the life that is in the word. The life that is in the word. And I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look specifically about how the life in the Word has made us alive unto God. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. Hallelujah. Shalabokese. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever says, being born again, aren't you glad you're born again? Yeah. 
What does that mean to be born again? Do you remember Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what must we do? And Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus was seeing it from a natural perception. Nicodemus said, how can we return to our mother's womb? He was looking at it from the natural, but Jesus said, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So he was talking about being born of the spirit. We've been born naturally, but he says every human being born on this planet must be born Again, must have that spiritual rebirth, must be born of the Spirit. That which is born of the, of the Spirit is Spirit. So he says here in 1 Peter, we are born again. How did we get born again? How did we receive this new birth? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God not of corruptible seed but incorruptible seed seed that cannot be altered seed that is not a hybrid seed you know my grandmother gave me marigold seeds one time and she said they're only gonna bloom twice somehow they had altered that seed so that it did not bloom every year and then gave, give off seed that would bloom again the next year. She said, they'll bloom twice, and then after that, you're going to have to plant new ones. I'd I, what? You mean they're not just going to continually grow? Why? Because man had altered the seed. But God said, his seed, he has provided a seed that cannot be altered by science, that cannot be altered by man. It's an incorruptible. It, it won't tarnish. It won't lose its availability how many thousands of years have people been standing on first Peter 2 24 the last 2,000 years people have been accessing and you know first Peter 2 24 has not weakened in the last 2,000 years as many hundreds of thousands of believers who have gone to first Peter 2 24 and withdrawn power out of 1 Peter 2.24, it hasn't lessened in its ability at all. It hasn't lowered in power. It hasn't said, I've only got about 672 more healings that can come out of 1 Peter 2.24. No, it's just as powerful. Why? Because it's incorruptible. It's unchangeable. It's not... It's not lessening in value. It's not lessening in ability. It's not decreasing. Hallelujah. It's incorruptible. And so we were born again of the Word of God. We are born of the Word. We are made alive unto God of the Word, by the Word. The Word is the seed that went into the heart. Romans chapter 10 shows us how it happens. It says in Romans chapter 10 that there's a process. It says in verse 13, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that's usually what we would say then is how we got born again. I called on the name of the Lord. How did you know to call on the name of the Lord? 
How did it come to you to identify that me calling on the name of the Lord is going to do something to alter my life, to transform my life? It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So the reason I called on him is because I believed. How did I come to the place of believing? What changed in me to make me believe that if I call on his name, he would save me? It says, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Oh, so there was a hearing and the hearing caused the believing and the believing prompted me to call on the name of the Lord and because of that process, I was saved. It says, how shall they hear without a preacher, a proclaimer? Someone proclaiming the word, somebody uttering the word, somebody declaring the word to them. So it was the word declared by the person sent that declaring brought a hearing, that brought a believing, that brought a calling. That's how we got born again. Somewhere along the way we heard the word. There was no faith to get saved unless the word came into my heart first. Hallelujah. The day I prayed for the first time, I say effectively prayed, because I think I had been led through the sinner's prayer before, but it was just something that I was praying because they were telling me to pray it, but I wasn't believing. My first husband was in a coma being kept alive by machines in the intensive care unit of the hospital in Madison, Tennessee. He had overdosed on drugs and his brain was swelling. And the, the person who had prayed with him to get saved, he, he overdosed the day that he was uh, being sentenced uh, for three armed robberies. So everybody got your seatbelt on? Because we're just going to be real for a minute, okay? We're going to be real for the whole time, but you know what I mean. We're going to be transparent. I was in the intensive care waiting room. Someone came to bring drugs to me in the intensive care waiting room. So I had cocaine in my pocket. I had a syringe in my shoe. And I was ready to go down and hide in the emergency room bathroom that had an individual bathroom where you could lock the door and, and pull up that cocaine. And this person from our grandma's church came to pray for him and when found out who I was, he wanted to talk to me in the chapel. I did not want to talk to him in the chapel. As if I knew what a preacher should look like, I was offended that this church sent me one who was wearing a biker vest and had a big beard and carried a Bible that actually looked like it should have been on, on their, their uh, living room coffee table. It was a big Dake Bible. Dake's Bible. And I, I thought, what kind of 
preacher is this and he wants to pray for me and he was no come on come on to the chapel I want to talk to you I want to talk to you come on to the chapel I want to talk to you I don't want to talk to you I got cocaine in my pocket I don't want to talk to you but I thought okay if I just go down here with them and the family thinks I'm talking with him and I'll just hurry out of this conversation and go do what I'm going to do and I'm there in the chapel and he is talking to me in a way that requires me to answer in sentences. I could not answer with a yes or no, okay, goodbye. He is making me think about what he's saying to me. He's making me have to contemplate and he's talking about how Jesus died for me. And I'm making it very personal how Jesus died for me. And how Jesus went to the cross for me. And how Jesus suffered all that for me. And, 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 and then asking me in a way that makes me verbally communicate back to him. And I was trying to just say, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and just get, you know, slough him off and, and go do what I wanted to do. But he kept making me think on it. And I remember in that conversation, and I was, in, I was arguing because I'm like, hurry up and get rid of this guy. Hurry up and get rid of this guy. But there was a part of me that it was just like this little part of me. But if what he's saying is real, if he's saying, because at that moment, I thought God hated me. If you had come to me before that conversation and said, does God love you? I would say, absolutely not. God does not love me. God, I, I, I was already prepared to go to hell. I was already okay with that. I, because in my estimation, there's not a chance I'm going to heaven. Not a chance will I get to heaven. I could... All of my failures, all of my sins, all of my crimes, all of the shame, I could, I, had, I could not see any way, shape, or form to expect or have any hope that God would save me. And this man is standing there telling me, Jesus did all that for me. And if I was the only person in the entire world, he would still do it for me again. And there, that one little glimmer of hope, if that's true, if God would help me, I want him to help me. I didn't want to be where I was doing what I was doing. I didn't want to be addicted to those drugs. I didn't want to be uh, uh, burdened by that shame. I didn't want to be hopeless and, 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 and going in the direction I was going. I wanted to be different, but I didn't see how and I didn't see there was any hope for me. But him proclaiming that to me, him drilling that home to me in a way that I was uncomfortable at first with the conversation because I had, others, I had sin on my mind. I, had, I, I, was, I was on the highway to hell and I was going at full barrel, you know, pedal to the metal. And I remember that one little glimmer. It's still, it's still to me so clear. At the moment, it just seemed like a little tiny ray of hope. If that's true and God would help me, then I'll pray this prayer. And he asked me to pray, and I prayed. And in that moment, 
I was changed and didn't, didn't know how to un- explain it. I didn't know how. Uh, all, all of the symptoms and the situation was still the same. But that one prayer opened the door for God to help me. And, and, and you know, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about God. I just found out and just had that one little moment. And I prayed that little, little glimmer of hope prayer. And, and if that's true and God wants to help me, then I want His help. And then I went downstairs and did the drugs and couldn't feel a thing. I got so mad. I thought, y'all have gypped me. You brought me these drugs and there's nothing in them. It's not even, not even real. It didn't do anything to me. I mean, years later, I found this scripture that says that you're snared by the words of your mouth. And I cut a covenant with God and opened my life to Him. And I changed on the inside and my, I didn't even know it. My head didn't even know it. My first husband died of that drug overdose. We took the machines off and he passed away. And I was going to try to get myself... I I overdosed again after that. I was going to try to get myself cleaned up, so I went to get on methadone and totaled three cars while I was on methadone trying to get myself cleaned up. But you know what I did? I went to the thrift store and bought a Bible for a quarter. I still have that quarter Bible that Bible, and I would sit there on that methadone, and methadone is a much, I was trying to get off Dilaudid, which is like a morphine, a heroin, and that Dilaudid and the, the methadone both would make you fall asleep in the middle of doing anything. That's how I totaled the cars, because I would be sitting there one minute, and I would just nod off like that, and I would read this Bible for, that I got for a quarter, and I'd be sitting there reading it and nod off, and I'd wake back up, and I'd read it, and I'd nod off. You see, I was hungry to know what had happened, but I didn't know what had happened until I got in a church and I got around the Word. And the Word of God brought light to help me understand how to apply the Word to my life. Amen? But if it had not been for the hearing, I would not have believed and I would not have called on the name of the Lord. So I got born again because the Word was preached to me. Because the Word was preached to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when that preaching of the word and it's received into the heart, the condition of the heart changes from spiritual death to spiritual life. I was spiritually dead, which does not mean a cessation of existence. Spiritual death is a condition where somebody's separated from God, separated from the life of God in their heart. I was still alive and walking. Look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2 gives us... Don't you love before and after pictures? I love to watch those stories and they say, this is me before and this is me after I did this exercise and did this makeover. Hallelujah. And I like to see those before and after pictures and what a transformation. And that's what we have in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's start here in verse 1. I'm talking and turning the wrong direction. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You and I were dead, but we were walking and talking and breathing, but we were dead. How were we dead? How were we dead? We were dead spiritually. Spiritual death. In Genesis chapter 2, God told Adam... Don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because 
In dying, you shall die. If you eat of it, there will be a twofold death. In dying, you shall die. In dying physically, you'll eventually die. In dying spiritually, you'll eventually die physically. And you know, he immediately died in his heart. His, his, and it, I say died, I didn't say he, he ceased to exist. He cut himself off from the life of God that was in his heart. His heart condition changed from being alive unto God. Now he's dead in his spirit. And he can't identify God the same way anymore. He's running. He's hiding. He's hiding from God. He's got fear where he'd never had fear before. Hallelujah. Why? Because spiritual death entered. In dying, you will die. Uh, It says over in the New Testament that death entered because of sin. What death was it? First it was spiritual death. And years later, Adam died physically. I mean, hundreds of years later. Why? Because God built our bodies to live forever. He never meant for them to be living under the curse or living without spirit life in them. He meant for us to live in the light of His Word with His life in our spirit and our spirit quickening our physical body. Now that we've been returned to Christ, you do not have to, uh, even though the outward man is decaying day by day. You don't have to just yield to that. It says in Romans chapter 8, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens our mortal bodies. So I'm going to resist the decay. I'm going to resist it with the quickening of the spirit. Amen? Why? Because now I have life in my spirit. So I was dead. I was dead in trespasses and sin. In times past I walked according to the course of this world, but not today. Not today. Today I walk according to the path of God. I'm walking on His path. I'm walking on His plans. Amen? It said, according to the prince of the power of the air, talking about the enemy, Satan. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not influenced by him today. Now I have the leading of the Spirit of God. That's who's leading me and influencing me today. It says the same one who worked in the children of disobedience. Well, he's not working in me. I'm a child of obedience. I act on the word. I'm a doer of the word. I'm obedient to the word. So this is the before and after picture, isn't it? Among whom also we all had our behavior. The word conversation in the New Testament is best uh, described as the word behavior or actions. We all had our actions. We all had our behavior in times past according to what our flesh was craving. If you wanted to flip somebody off, you just flipped them off. If you wanted to slap somebody in the face, you just slapped them in the face. If you wanted to cuss them out, you cussed them out. Why? Because your flesh desired it. Oh, no, you don't. (laughs) But we don't have our behavior out of the desires that our flesh has. Anger, feel sorry, gloom, despair, and agony on me. No, 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 I don't live by that anymore. Don't have any bad hair days, no hump Wednesdays, no blue Mondays. Why? Because now I have life in me. We all had our behavior in times past doing what our flesh desired to do. Fulfilling the cravings, the desires of our flesh and of the mind. 
And we were by nature, beforehand we were, we not, we not are. We are not. We were, but we are not now. We were. We were by nature, but what happened? My nature changed. When I got born again, it's... See, if Jesus just forgave me of my sin, I'd still be in trouble. If all he did was forgive my sin, what am I going to do next time? No, what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do? Why? Because the problem, wasn't, the, the, the problem wasn't only sin. Sin was a major part of the problem. But the problem was we had changed from spirit life to spiritual death. We had changed from being uh, partakers of, of God's nature to being connected to the wrong nature, a flesh nature, nature of disobedience. So I needed my nature changed. I, I didn't need to be a sinner anymore. I needed to be born again. I needed to have my nature changed. I needed this condition of death to turn and become a condition of life so I could be alive unto God. And so that's what happens when we are born again of the Word of God. It says, we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he has made us alive together. Quickened is an old English word that means to make alive. He has made us alive together with Christ. So we are alive today. Alive in our spirit. We were dead, but He has made us alive. He has made us alive spiritually. So now our spirit is alive with... Whose life is in your spirit? What kind of life? Where did God get that life that, that He put in our spirit when we were born again? It's the very same life that's in God. That's why we are His children. Not every person on the planet is a child of God. Not every person on the planet is a child of God. Every person on the planet is created by God. But John chapter 1 says, To those to whom He received Him, to them He has given power to become the sons of God. You've got to receive Jesus to have the power to become a son of God, a child of God. We're, child, we're children of God because we're born of Him now. We're children of God because we're born again. You must be born again. So we are born again by the incorruptible Word of God. And I said in previously that being born again is what allows us to enter back into God's original effectiveness in His systems. Now I can work God's kingdom systems effectively. There are some people outside of the kingdom who have not yet received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they're working some of God's principles and receiving in a measure, in a measure, a, 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 because they're, it's wisdom. God's principles provide us wisdom. And, and so a person can be operating them, you know, being generous. That's one of God's systems, right? One of the, the, the flows in God's kingdom. And so people can 
be generous. They can grow up learning to be generous and be receiving of the benefits of that, not in the fullest measure because they're not walking in the light of who they are in Christ or, or have not received Christ. So they can have a measure of God's results. But when we become born again, we now have the ability to become effective at maximum efficiency in the systems of God. You and I should be skilled in the word system so that it works for us distinctly. You and I should be skilled in the authority system so that nothing happens in our life that we refuse. I'm talking about that God has authorized us to control. There are things that are, are authorized by God. You do not have to allow the curse in any way, shape, or form to have any operation in your life. Not one second of one hour of one day. Do you have to allow the curse to have any operation in your finances, in your health, in your marriage, in your family? None of it. You can, you can stand and hold your territory and put up the flag of the kingship of Jesus Christ, the lordship of Jesus Christ, and say, not in my house. Strife will not rule in my house. Unbelief will not operate in my house. Lack will not have any function in my house. Sickness has no authority here. But you have to be skilled in that. If you, don't, if you don't know your authority, and if you're not, you know, the, 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 the condition of authority is revealed to us in Matthew chapter 8 when that centurion was talking to Jesus. And he said, I am a man under authority. Notice he, he identified that before he said, I'm a man in authority. He said, I'm a man under authority. And I have soldiers under me. So he didn't start out by saying, hey, I'm the boss. And I have soldiers unto me, and oh, by the way, I'm submitted to somebody that is boss over me too. No, he started out identifying, I am a man under authority. And what he's saying is, I'm bringing my life under the authority of your word, and everybody in my house under the authority of your word. And all you have to do is speak the word because I submit to your authority. So that's the key to authority is, is, is for me to be able to operate authority, I first have to submit correctly to authority in my life. And that's why it says in the New Testament, submit unto God and then resist the devil. You submit to God first and now you're authorized and equipped to resist the devil. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Submit to God, to His Word, to His leadership standards. I was living in Gardner, Kansas, and at the time our church had a van. And I drove that church van home occasionally. I, I drove it for a while when uh, we had uh, a lot of errands that we were running or, or uh, doing some things with getting the backpacks and different stuff we were doing for a school supply gathering. And so I had parked that church van outside of the house there. and. This neighbor who never talked to me, 
I, I mean, I kind of waved at her when we moved in, but I didn't really know her that well. But I'm, I'm at home. It was my day off, and I'm at home, you know, doing laundry and cleaning the house and different things. And I hear a knock on the door, and I open the door, and this neighbor is standing there. And I recognized who she was after a moment, you know, because I've seen her out in the yard and stuff. And I'm like, hi, how are you? And I'm thinking she needs a cup of sugar. She needs to borrow something. I'm, you know, ready to be neighborly. Hi, how are you doing? And she said, I don't have to go to church to be saved. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> nice to see you. I don't have to go to church to be saved. I guess the presence of the church van made her want to come over and validate herself to me. I don't have to go to church to be saved. I can be saved just sitting at home. And, and I'm thinking to myself, what? I, 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 and I said, this was the only thing that just came up in my heart because I was unprepared for this conversation. I said, well, Jesus is the head of the church. And I go to church because I love Jesus and I want to submit to him. And he's the head of the church. How can, and, and, but she wanted to argue and I wasn't going to argue with her. And so that's how the conversation kind of went is that she continued her argument and I shook my head and okay, you know, I tried, but she wasn't coming to ask me. She wasn't coming to get wisdom from me. She wasn't coming to ask, what should I do? She was coming to tell me. So why bother the argument? Right. And so I just let it go and I thought, okay, well, that's fine for you, but I'm going to go to church because I'm submitted to the head and he's head of the church. <laughs> How can I say I love Jesus, but I won't go to his church? How can I say I'm following Jesus? If he's Lord, you know, the people came to him and he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you won't do anything I say. Wow. <laughs> See, that no submission. So the whole key of us exercising authority then reverts back to our submitting to his authority correctly and then we have the full impact to be able to exercise the authority. Amen? I don't know what took me there, but praise the Lord. I guess it was the leading of the Spirit. Praise God. Submission. That's right. So the, and that was the key to faith. Think about it. What happened in Matthew 8, Jesus said, this is the greatest faith I've seen. What, don't we all want to be able to, to have Jesus rec recommend our faith? Do we want Jesus to look at our faith and say, now, Jamie, that's some faith. That's some faith. Right? This, this, that's some faith, Kathleen. That's, and we want Jesus to look at our faith and say, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's faith I'm talking about right there. What, what is it, Keith? I'm submitted to your word. So there's authority and the word system going together, right? Amen. And how do you, we, we see it's called seed. The word is seed. So we got the seed, the word, the authority all mixed together, don't we? And they're all operative together. How can you separate I'm submitting to that word? I'm con coming under the authority of that word. I'm, that word is going to change the way I act. You know, I'm being, I'm barren all this morning, y'all. In my first, in, in, my late husband was abusive and, and would wake me up to beat me up. I mean, I didn't even have to start a fight. He would wake me up to fight. He, he came home drunk one night and he woke me up out of a good sound sleep to start arguing with me and fighting with me. 
and, and pushed me around a little bit and carried on. And then he went and passed out. And we, we didn't have a real bed. We had a mattress on the floor in this little tiny trailer. And, and the mattress was in the floor underneath uh, the, the, uh, the post that you hang the clothes on in the closet. So that's how little this room was. And the mattress is just kind of under, under that closet rod. And so he passes out, and I'm so mad now because he woke me up, and he has pushed me around, and he has cussed me out, and he slapped me, and, and then he's going to pass out and leave me up fuming. I just grabbed those posts and jumped both feet right on his face. And then it was on. And then it was on. And he beat me thoroughly, tried to shoot me, blew a hole in the ceiling, uh, uh, and threw me out naked in the snow. And so thankfully his sister lived nearby and I was able to go by and get, it, it, it was bad. So, so that's the kind of life I was in before Christ. And so when, when uh, I married Pastor Steele, I did not know how to be saved married. I did not know how to disagree and allow the Word of God to govern me as I disagreed I thought every disagreement is going to respond. And, and he also will admit, in the family he was raised in, the louder you are, the more correct you are. So when we disagreed, he got loud, which made me think he was going to hit me. So for, you, for he and I to learn how to walk together in Christ, we both had to submit to the Word. I had, to, I had to go to the Word to learn how to control myself when I disagreed because I had been trained in that previous relationship. If you want to protect yourself, if you want to make it out of this, you got to fight back or, or, you know, retaliate. So in order for me to change my behavior, I had to be willing to let a soft answer turn away wrath. Amen. Ooh, I love that verse. That verse helped me. That verse changed my marriage. It, and it changed me. It, it wasn't my marriage, really. It was me that changed. And then I became, you know, I had to become a word woman. I wasn't a word woman, but I had to apply the word in those areas that were failing me, those areas that were my, my falling off points, those areas where I kept hitting the glitch and, and it was, you know, that applying of the word when I wanted to follow him into the other room and give him a piece of my mind. No, a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer turns away wrath. I had not been trained to give a soft answer. I, had been, I mean, I had just... Uh, he said something one day. He was walking through the house and he was saying, I, I, I said I'm going to do that. I said that. And I promises, promises to change broken promises. You said. <laughs> Sassy. Doesn't make for a happy marriage though, does it? I had to apply the word. I had to submit to the word. And it wasn't fun. It was not fun to my flesh to put a soft answer in my mouth when I had a really good comeback for that. I could really get him right now. But a soft answer turns away wrath. Hallelujah. 
but that was the greatest, I say it wasn't fun in the moment, but the results of what I've reaped from acting on the word have brought a marriage that's made in heaven. A life that's worth living is a life submitted to the Word of God. A life that is worth living is a life that's submitted to the Word of God. If I'm not submitting to the Word, it's not fun. So in the submitting, it may be uncomfortable at the moment, but the results forthcoming, the results of that submission, the the results of being a doer of the Word are going to far outweigh that discomfort that you may feel in the moment when you're having to act on it and your flesh wants to do something else. That's how we walk in the Spirit and we do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And if we can't get authority in these areas, how are we going to have authority on a greater scale? If we can't get authority over our anger in the traffic... Do you see me smiling? I'm smiling. If we can't get authority over the snooze button, I'm still smiling. (laughs) And you think, well, that doesn't matter. If it is yielding to your flesh, guess what you're not yielding to? Your spirit. And if if it's strengthening the flow of your flesh or the momentum of your flesh or the activity of your flesh, guess what it's not strengthening? So one of my favorite commercials was the hefty trash bag commercial. I tell you all this all the time, and I'm going to tell you again. They used to have that hefty trash bag commercial, and they would pull that trash bag up, and that hefty trash bag, it would come up out of the can and fully intact. Hefty, hefty, hefty. But that, that little bargain cheap trash can, you would pull it up and all of, and it always had spaghetti in the trash bag. (laughs) All that spaghetti all over the white floor. Right? And then they would say, whippy, whippy, whippy. And, And the Lord directed me to that commercial. Do I want my spirit man to be hefty, hefty, hefty? My born again, alive unto God, I have to develop in the Word. You can educate your spirit in the Word of God. You can edify your spirit in the Word of God. You can strengthen and develop your spirit. You know, in in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and then in Hebrews chapter 5, it talks about people who should have been farther along. In, in 1 Corinthians 1, he said, You should be teachers, but I have need to give you milk again. Uh, he said that you are carnal. You're carnal. You should, be, you should be eating meat, but I'm having to give you milk because you're carnal. Why? Because there's jealousy and envying and y'all are striving. Y'all are arguing. And so he said those were evidences that they were carnal and, he, and they needed to go back to a different level of the word until they gained a proficiency to become mature Hebrews chapter 5. I should look at them. We'll just finish off right here. Let's, let's compare those in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And I, brethren... 
could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Whoo! I do not want God to tell me there are things He can't tell me because I'm fleshly. He said, I can't speak to you on that level. I'm having to speak to you on a different level, on, on a, an a elementary level. I'm having to speak to you at a lower level. Why? Because you're babies in Christ. So do you see now that we can submit ourselves to the Word and grow or we can resist what the Word identifies as our behavior and we can stay babies. It says you are babes. I have fed you with milk and not with meat for until now you were not able to bear it. And just like you would not take a newborn baby and try to put a piece of steak in their mouth because they cannot chew it, they cannot swallow it correctly, they would choke on it, it would hurt them. Their digestive system couldn't even handle it. Why? Because they're babies. Their system is not ready. He was telling them, you can't even handle stronger truths, not you, them, you can't handle these stronger truths because of your yielding to the flesh, your, the snooze button, the anger. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the ceiling. I'm not even looking at anybody in the room. I'm just looking at the ceiling. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just giving things that, that could be hindrances for any of us. Amen? Always got to be right. Nobody can give me an instruction. Nobody can tell me a better way to do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> you are yet carnal. What is that? You're too yielded to the flesh. You're not yielding to the spirit. You're not submitting to the word and growing in that. You are yet carnal for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? Amplified of that verse says, walk as mere unchanged men. We are born again. We are, we are children of the light. We are children of the light. We can walk in the light as He is in the light. We can operate the law of love to maximum efficiency. Hallelujah. Why? Because we're born again. I'm not limited to people who don't know God... They don't have the capacity of patience that I have. People, and, and they can train their flesh to a point in, in something that's similar to patience, but I have the fruit of patience. I have the fruit of patience. I have the fruit of long-suffering. I have the fruit of meekness. I can humble myself. Glory to God. I, you can teach me. I'm teachable. Why? Because I, this is some of the character of God that He placed in me at my new birth. I have all of those characteristics of God listed in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 20 through 22. Those fruit of the Spirit will help you overcome every area of life. If you will learn how to apply the fruit of the Spirit in your marriage, in your interactions with people, I mean, these are the, the ways of victory. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, kindness, all the faith, temperance, those are, are the keys of victory. 
Those are building blocks to victory in your life. And you can be proficient in them. You can develop in skill. You, you should, we should, we should all be, in two months from now, we should be at a higher level of love than we're at today. Amen. He told us that we should, we should aim at it. We should seek it. We should pursue love like a hunter gets his camos on and, and puts the paint on his face and goes, hides out in a deer stand, being quiet in the middle of the night. They'll get out there. They'll, they, they make sure they don't put any cologne on. They make sure they don't have, have scents that are going to smell like uh, uh, things that are going to alert the deer. That They go through all of that to get up in a deer stand and spend all night in that deer stand waiting for the light to see a deer because they're hunting it. They want to claim it. They want to get their deer. And he said that's, that's the word he uses for pursue after love. Hunt it down like a hunter hunts after prey. We should be proficient in it. Why? Because that's the, that's the element of maturity. That's what shows. Um, what, what was the indicator of immaturity? Envying? Strive? Love wouldn't be involved in either one of those, right? All right, now, finally, Hebrews 5. Look at me, I'm on my second close and it's not even noon yet. Y'all are in good shape. Y'all are in good shape. <laughs> Hebrews 5. Verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So we see the same illustration used to indicate spiritual immaturity. It says you should be teachers, but you need to be taught again. You should be ready to eat strong meat but you can't. You're not capable to take it right now. Instead, you need milk. Why? Everyone that uses milk, and let's say uses milk only, is limited to milk. You know, could you successfully live on milk today? Could you live on milk? If, if milk was the only thing, would you be getting everything you needed as an adult from milk? Well, I mean, when Aubrey was born, she didn't need anything but milk, right? When little babies are born, they live on the milk. But there comes a point where they need more than milk. Right. He was saying, you need to go back to just milk till you get to that place of development. Amen. Mercy. Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Can we take that phrase and let's look at the reciprocal? What is it like to be skillful in the word of righteousness? What, would it, what does my life look like as I become more skillful in the word of righteousness? Hallelujah. They were unskillful in the word of righteousness and because they had not gained a skill in applying the word to their life, not gained a skill in submitting to that word, they needed to go back to milk until what? 
until they gained a skill in submitting to the Word. That doesn't just mean keeping all of the commandments of what you're not to do, but that, take that and, and make it a, 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 a kingdom-minded perception. For me to submit to the Word of God about the righteousness I am in Christ, for me to submit to the Word of God about the fact that I'm a new creature and old things are passed away, you know, I shared a part of my testimony. But there came a place in my Christian walk where I had to identify that I'm not the woman who I was before Christ. I'm not the woman who had those things on my record. I'm not the woman who, who did those things. I'm a new creature in Christ. I had to submit to that because there were times that I still felt like the things I had done and I still felt all of the shame and I felt all of the failure and I felt it all and that was not who I am. So I had to submit. So it says that we, we can become skillful in the word of righteousness. Verse 14, strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Full age is not talking about how many years you've been saved. A full age is talking about a place of development. In the natural, he's using a natural indication of a baby who needs milk and an adult who can take meat. But he's saying full age is there is a place in our spiritual maturity where we grow and we develop so that we can apply the Word of God and submit to the Word of God and grow as a believer... So it's not talking about a number of years that you've been born again, but here's what is interesting. It's possible for a person to accept Jesus as their Lord and live the rest of their Christian life like a baby. It's possible. I don't recommend it. Because that person is a carnal Christian. They, are, they have accepted Jesus as Lord, but they're not walking in a growth pattern of developing and increasing in knowledge and increasing in wisdom and applying the word and maturing and becoming love proficient and peace proficient and joy governed. Amen? And because of that, they're going to, they're not going to, you know, a carnal Christian has to be so miserable. Because they know enough about God that they can't enjoy sinning anymore. They recognize the conviction of God if they go sin. But they're not walking in His Word enough to enjoy the saved life that's for us. So I don't recommend it. It is possible, on the other hand, to accept Jesus as your Lord and begin to grow and grow and continue growing. And continue increasing in spiritual wisdom, in knowledge, in understanding. He says strong meat belongs to those who are developed, those who are maturing. Even those who by reason of use, here's the key, reason of use, by reason of use. In other words, they put the word to work. They've been applying the word just like I had to in that moment of anger and that moment when I wanted to follow my husband into the other room and tell him and get the last word in. 
I had to choose to let a soft answer turn away wrath. I put a soft answer in my mouth when I didn't want to put a soft answer in my mouth in the natural. But my spirit wanted it more than my flesh did. And so it was by reason of use we come to understand what's good and evil. By applying the word, by putting the word to work, we, we come to a place of maturity in the word. Amen? Amen. And the more light you have, the more light you can see. The more understanding you have, the more understanding you can have. To him who has, more shall be given, Jesus said. To him who has understanding, more understanding shall be given. To him who has the hearing, more hearing shall be given. Hallelujah. That's us. We're, We're moving into the more. We're moving into more wisdom. We're moving into more light. We're moving into more of God's character in our life. We're moving into more victory by the application of the word. So we're word governed, amen? Stand with me, please.